Cape Talk. Plan B with Rebecca Davis. At 24 minutes to four. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, John. Cyril Ramposa has just suspended Nongobo Jiba and Lawrence Mkwebi from their senior jobs at the National Prosecuting Authority pending the outcome of an inquiry into their fitness to hold office. Good on him. Good on him. He does, you know, he moves slower than many of his, um, some of his supporters and many of his critics would like him to move, but he does move. Slow does. and steady wins the race. He I does suspect. move. However, I'm worried about the movements of the rest of his cabinet because did you see that now the Deputy President, David Mabuza, is also sick? He's taking days of sick leave. Why are they all so sickly, John? Um, Rebecca is being sickly myself. I'm I'm not the right person (laughs) to ask that question. There's clearly some flu (laughs) epidemic going around Uh, the union building. Yeah. Patricia DeLille, what do you make of what's going on? John, John. Well. Let me ask you a, a question. Do you think that she is morally obliged to resign as the mayor of the city of Cape Town? Is, are you asking that question dependent on the results of the Bowman's report or as a general proposition? As a general proposition. The agreement was that the DA would withdraw internal disciplinary proceedings against her mm-hmm. and in return she would serve as mayor until the 31st of October and on the 1st of December, first of November, Dan Plato, Dan Plato would move into the mayoral office. Right. The DA has not reinstituted internal disciplinary charges against her, so is she not morally bound by that agreement? Yes, I would agree. However, I think her suspicion is that the report to be tabled this afternoon will advise that disciplinary charges still have to be laid against her, and I think that is the crux of her disagreement, that that is in effect violating the understanding that she would leave with her name cleared. So from DeLille's perspective, I can understand if suddenly disciplinary charges are back on the table. But they're not back on the table. But if the report recommends them mm, to be reinstated. what has been leaked doesn't suggest a recommendation that disciplinary charges be reinstituted. It seems to recommend that council consider the advisability of criminal charges being investigated in relation to which is a different thing. I think that from DeLille's perspective, the notion of disciplinary charges was a kind of metaphor for the idea that she would be effectively exonerated, right? I mean, call it what you want, criminal charges, disciplinary charges. The fact that this report is now tabled at the last minute, obviously, is a major spanner in the works for her because this is the opposite of what she intended, to leave with head held high. I mean, I agree with you. I I do not see a way in which DeLille can reasonably stay on as mayor. However, you know, however strongly she may feel that she's being mistreated. And, John, the other thing is, if she does stay on with Mayor, how long will she last? A few days? I mean, it'll take them no time to institute a vote on her confidence against her in council. What guarantee do they have that it will pass? Well, we know that five of the people who would have voted against it are now out of the chamber. I mean, I can only assume there would be some, some very... Um, robust whippery going on to ensure everyone would vote. So, I mean, I, if I, I don't know if you heard Suzette Little telling me half an hour ago that ahead of the February 15th no confidence vote, Musi Maimani addressed the caucus and said, You either vote for the motion of no confidence or you're fired. Or you're out. And that's the other thing I wanted to say, John, that in terms of the five councillors who resigned today, the DA's approach thus far, judging by the statement from Bongin Kozi Madikizela and the press conference JP Smith and Grant Twig gave just now, seems to be to try to downplay their concerns at all costs, to dismiss them as disgruntled 
Delil allies, etc. And I think that really is a mistake because as far as I can see, particularly from reaction on social media, people do believe that there is a case to answer for the DA. You and I believe that the there is a case to answer, that the DA has mismanaged this affair quite Comprehensively. That's right. But I'm referring specifically to the mm. claims of racism, mm. that there is a culture of racism. And what I want to say is that Musi Maimane was personally and directly implicated in that press conference. One of the councillors saying he appealed to Maimane for support and Maimane was happy to turn a blind eye. I failed to see how DA leadership cannot take this seriously. I mean, surely they owe it to to future voters to to, to, to at least yeah, be I mean, seen to wrestle Grant with Grant Twigg says there is no crisis in the party, and that, de- that depends on how you define crisis. I would argue that when five members of a party resign, and two of them are MAKO members, and a third is a chief whip, and some of them, Suzette Little wasn't particularly keen to go on to the party as racist. She said that's Sean August's thing. So she didn't appear to hold the same views, but some do hold the same views. And, 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 and when they're saying that in public and you are, what, six months away from the election, I would suggest that it comes quite close to a crisis. We approached the DA and said, will Musi Mayamani please come on the radio with us? And we got no, it's a Cape Town issue. It's not. It's certainly not a Cape Town issue. As you've just said, from my mind is interference. And the other thing is that there were allegations made about governance as well. You know, Suzette Little saying in that press conference, this is a party that, quote, does not know where the Cape Flats is. So the implication was clear. To me, there is a case to answer. And then the wider question, John, I distinctly got the feeling from this morning's events because that mass resignation seemed so orchestrated, so clearly pre-planned, that that this could well be, as people have thought for some time, the first salvo in Dillil's resuscitation of the independent Democrats. Because... Sean August and Suzette Little were, I think, both with her in the independent director. Right. Uh, but August sure. was her bodyguard in the yeah. independent Democrats, so mm-hmm. he's literally her lieutenant. I just think, John, that we've learned through bitter experience in this country that people very rarely give up relatively high-paying political jobs out of principle with nowhere to land. I'm afraid to say it's true. When when do we see that? Almost never. So the fact that five of them were willing to resign and in the press conference definitely hinted that they were not done with politics, that to me suggests there is, and I've been skeptical of this idea, but I think maybe now there really is something going on with the independent Democrats. Uh, Cape Town Mayoral Committee member Suzette Little under investigation after claims of misconduct. Eyewitness News has seen the complaints of two city employees who claim Suzette Little has been shirking her duties, misusing council resources, and is abusive to her staff. So it just gets uglier and uglier. It really and does. Uglier. And I'm, of course, that was one of the, the speculations that these particular councillors were jumping before their own wrongdoing could be exposed. But then the counterclaim, of course, will be that this is the DA's return smear. What I also want to say, John, is that I think it is outrageous that the DA, that the city council is going to discuss this endlessly contested Bowman's report behind closed doors this afternoon. Yeah, I couldn't and agree I, with you more. I think the ANC was dead right to say, in the interest of transparency, all this confusion and leaks, that surely has to be something made public. And if you're going to make the report public, why can't you make the discussion around it public? I know. I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Just about everything. I, I can think of very few things that are justifiably 
debated behind closed doors. Anyway, that's enough of Patricia DeLille and the Cape Town City Council for a while. I will be returning to it uh, between 4 and 4.30. I'll be speaking to Bongi Kosi Madikizela at 20 past 4, find out if he thinks it is a crisis, and then Grant Twig, who doesn't think it's a crisis. Mm. He'll be on the radio with me just after 5 o'clock. We've got quite a few voice notes, and uh, we will find time before we go to the news at 4 o'clock to play those voice notes and to continue to take your opinion. Kids going to school with bodyguards. This, uh, it's, it's a story, Rebecca, that we tried to talk about on the radio. We tried to get the principal of Grey High in Bloemfontein. I get confused. Grey, it's Grey College in Bloemfontein. That's right. It's Grey High in Port Elizabeth and Grey College in Bloemfontein. But he didn't want to talk about it. But it is an extraordinary story. Isn't it? I mean, I remember back in the day when kids were being bullied. Were you bullied, John? Very much so, yes. So the, the debate used to be, you know, is it right for the parents to get involved? Should a parent go and take on the bullies? You know, will that cause greater harm for the kids and so on? It's just really mind-blowing that we're now living in a society where one of the potential answers seems to be to bring bodyguards to school, which is what happened, as you say. Report, reporting on Sunday, a grade 10 student arrived at school at Grey College with a bodyguard after being subjected to bullying. And then, apparently not the first time that the father a 15-year-old boy at Phoenix in Durban hired two armed bodyguards to accompany his son to school after claiming that the school failed to take action on bullying. And there's photos available and these guys are walking into school with proper rifles, what looks like rifles, KZN VIP, all over them. It's unclear what that school thought about it. Obviously, Gray College was having none of this bodyguard um, business. Yeah, they should have acted against the bullies. I mean, Perhaps I might think differently if I'd been able to have a conversation with the headmaster, but this was a young boy who'd been beaten up quite badly by matrix, it appears, because he'd committed the cardinal sin of walking across, uh, walking across a piece of grass, which was reserved for matrix only. And I mean, just. I mean, that doesn't sound like there's two sides of the story, right? Yeah. It seems egregious. But um, so obviously bullying is nothing new, but um, I was stunned by the story that you may have seen. It really happened last week. I was stunned to see that AfriForum sees, thinks it has the answer, that AfriForum is on a tour of South African schools, um, an anti-bullying campaign where they bring out uh, a, a, mot- a kind of motto they call the Bully Policy, uh, who is this strange white knight character, literally white, white knight, knight yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. in a suit of armor. They only visit Afrikaans schools and uh, purportedly teach kids you know, not to put up with bullying, not to stand up to bullies. And you may have read Helena Wasserman, the editor of Business Insider's column, where she wrote about her extreme opposition to this and made the point that Afroform themselves are no strangers to bullying dissidents, opposing voices. But I'd also love to know what exactly is in those messages they give to schools, because we know that Afriforum's claims of bullying are base, are very race-based. They claim that white people, that Afrikaans people, are bullied as a result of their identity. So I think the idea that they're going into school and spreading that message is actually quite sinister. Bodyguards might not be the answer, but I'm pretty sure Afriforum isn't either. And finally, proof that I am, what, 20 years ahead of the fashion curve? What is the shoe brand exploding in popularity with teenagers? Tell me, Rebecca, what is the shoe brand exploding in popularity with teenagers? It is? It's Crocs, John. Yes, and who was wearing wearing Crocs 20 years ago and being pilloried and mocked? Bullied, even. Bullied for doing so? And right. Who proved himself to be two decades ahead of a trend? Moi. John, I'm extremely happy for you. And yes, this most perplexing news item of the year is that Crocs are now the 13th most popular footwear brand among U.S. teens. And that is growing massively. Last year, they were 
27th or something. And the idea is, John, and perhaps this might put a little dent in your smugness right now, is that it is part of this extraordinary global trend of ugly fashion. Was that the idea you had in mind when you opted for the crop? It was the idea I had in mind when I first put on clothes at the age of three. Before that, I ran around naked. But when I put on clothes at the age of three for the first time, even my nappies, I asked for, for them to be ugly. For, for them to be ugly. Ugly, please. I want ugly nappies. I remember saying, please, I want ugly nappy. Well, well done. I just want to quote for you from the Telegraph's fashion correspondent about what is happening this year. So, John, you can make sure you're further on trend. The rule is there are no rules. A mix of jarring neon shades, even the much-dreaded pairing of sandals with socks. In 2018, everything is acceptable. It's deliberately, calculatedly unflattering. Faux pas-like fanny packs, orthopedic sneakers, oversized sweaters, prairie dresses, and eye-scarring visions of denim. Yes, they're the thing. It's like looking in a mirror for you every morning, John. You are bang well, I, on trend. I'm, one of the things that I did, which never caught on, and now I think it will, is I had a little pouch put onto the side of my Crocs so I could slide my, slide my comb in there. <laughs> John, you know, sometimes I honestly don't know if you're joking. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.